Miramar Communications, industry members, and eye care professionals are coming together to create a forum that connects the vision community in these unprecedented times. This program has been made possible in part with support from our premier sponsors, Allergan, Johnson Johnson Vision, Aerie, Novartis, and Santen. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors for their support of this programming. Welcome back to another live episode of the Mod Pod. I'm Dr. Jessalyn Quint, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Frank Juan. To all the viewers and listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, special thank you to our sponsors for making this episode possible. In today's climate, many eye care practices have been forced to furlough or lay off a large portion of their staff. Today, we're lucky enough to hear from three colleagues who are navigating through these very unprecedented times. Those of you that are watching live will have the opportunity to ask some questions in a little bit. Today, we're talking to Dr. Leslie O'Dell, Dr. Jake Lang, and Dr. Jennifer Lyerly. Dr. Leslie O'Dell is the co-chief medical editor at the Modern Optometry Publication and is recent, was most recently an optometrist at the Dry Eye Center of Pennsylvania at Wheatland Eye Care in Manchester, Pennsylvania. Dr. Jake Lang most recently was the lead optometrist and the optometric residency coordinator at Associated Eye Care in Stillwater, Minnesota. And Dr. Jennifer Lyerly most recently was an optometrist practicing comprehensive ocular health care with the focus on custom and specialty contact lenses at True Vision Eye Care, North Carolina. You guys are all leaders in the optometric community, and I think hearing your stories will really help our colleagues kind of realize that they're definitely not alone. I know I myself am eager, as well as I'm sure Frank is, to kind of hear your experience about what it's been like so far. So let's just start from the beginning. When did each of you kind of figure out your change in employment status, and how has your experience been with COVID so far? Leslie, why don't you kick us off? Well, um, thanks for giving me a reason to comb my hair and put some makeup on tonight. It's nice to join you. Um, and I really appreciate what you guys have been doing during these um, past few weeks with this program. So thank you. Um, I have a little bit of an interesting journey. I feel like I, my last day of work was on a Saturday, March 14th. Um, and then I was to to go in on Tuesday of the following week, but I started to kind of follow some of the COVID developments and I myself was not really feeling that comfortable. The CDC had yet to really um, say that optometry should stop doing routine eye care, but in my, in my mind, I felt like we should. Um, and so at, the, you know, at that time, my practice owner, I said, I looked at my schedule. I said there were a few patients that I felt like were someone I would come in for, a lady that I had put bandage contact lenses on, and then another woman that um, was coming back for, I think it was actually an emergency exam. And since they were still seeing patients, he said, you know what, I'll just take over those patients. Don't worry about it. You can come back, you know, after two weeks. That's when we thought it was going to be two weeks. Um, so at that point, I didn't really think I was, you know, going to be laid off or anything. I thought, like, you know, that was nice of them to see that I had some reservations about working in the, in the climate and in the environment at that time. Um, and just to kind of pick up some, um, you know, pick up some of my patient care. Jake, what about you? What was your kind of experience? Yeah. yeah it, you know, I think everyone would agree this kind of escalated exponentially through March that just things are getting more serious and significant and how bad is this going to get? And, and no one knew my last day of work was March 20th. 
Um, at that point, uh, Associated Eye Care decided to lock everything down. We had been taking off um, routine care, taking out patients that we felt really didn't need to be seen, um, but still we were pretty busy, or at least my clinic was still pretty busy at that point. And then as we got into the later March, we just said, you know, we really got to lock this down even more. And and that's when they uh, furloughed all the optometrists and, and a great majority of the clinical staff. Um, so I've been away from Associated Eye Care since then, which makes uh, managing a residency program and, and keeping in the loop so much, so much more difficult. I bet. Definitely more challenging than probably anticipated. Uh, Jennifer, what about you? What was your experience? My last day in the office was uh, Friday, March 20th. And that day we had already not done any routine care. It was just kind of finishing up a few scleral fits, a few medical office visits that were coming in. And at the end of that day, it was actually a really difficult day. Um, I work for the private practice owner optometrist and we sat in the back room that day kind of weighing, are we furloughing? Are we going to lay off? And she got on some phone calls with some advisors. And um, at the end of the day, she had worked up everyone's termination letters for the staff and myself, as that was the direction that made the most financial sense at that point, um, and haven't been back to the office. You guys each have really unique stories, and I really look forward to hearing more about uh, your guys' experience, but when it comes down to your guys' experience with COVID-19, uh, could you tell me what it's been like? Uh, have you guys each been able to stay away from it, to be removed from it? Uh, let's start with Jake. I know um, I've been blessed and uh, my family's been blessed that, you know, everyone is uh, safe and healthy. Uh, most of my family's in very uh, rural Minnesota and areas like that. So we've kind of dodged some of that. Um, I think Minnesota's been doing a pretty good job of flattening the curve. So I think that's helped. Um, I do know several uh, doctors, eye care doctors, um, that have it in the area. Um, people that I know rather well. So um, that's been tough. They and their families are doing well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely hit people I know and could have been me. Yeah, I think these are times when we definitely all realize maybe how much we took our health for granted, you know, previously. So I'm glad that um, Jake, you and your family are, are healthy. Leslie or Jennifer, have you guys still healthy? We are healthy. Um, and like I said, we've been home now for quite a while. Um, but my sister actually is an ICU nurse in our local hospital. And so I, it's been interesting to kind of hear her struggles and um, some of the disconnect between their hospital staff um, and how things change every day. But it's also been interesting because then I kind of get a feel for what the numbers look like. You know, I hear it on the news, but it's it's more interesting to me to know actually what's going on at the local hospital. So, um, but it's tough. I really feel for the health workers that have to be in that climate um, because there's a lot of stress that they're feeling um, for sure. We just had to paint our hands or draw your hand and um, they're making a wall for the nursing staff or, you know, the doctors, even um, whoever, when they feel like they need, somebody in their family, they can go to the wall and like put their hand on one of their family's hands. So um, it's definitely stressful for them. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie, what do you think about the numbers, like what you're seeing 
publicized by the CDC and, and what you're hearing from your, was it your sister-in-law or your sister? No, it's my sister. Um, well, so they think that um, she says that their, their hospital is still oddly quiet and they're kind of positioned in a place to be um, where most of the patients get funneled. Um, so they were surprised to have such low counts in the ICUs, which is good news, but they are actually saying they expect their peak to be in June. <laughs> um, so that doesn't say much for when we're all trying to get back to work. But. Yeah, exactly. So I know when this, you know, when this first happened, because there are so many people who, you know, obviously either did unemployment or furloughed. So remind me, each of you, were you, were you technically unemployed? Were you furloughed? Did you know what furlough meant? Was it a surprise? Give, it, give us your initial reactions. Yeah, I'll go. Um, so I, 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 I just assumed that being furloughed was the same thing as being laid off when this happened. Um, it isn't from what I've learned. Um, there's a little bit of difference in that um, being furloughed means that you expect there's a job waiting for you. You're expected to come back. There's just this temporary shutdown because of X, Y, or Z. Um, so I really didn't know that. I've never experienced anything like this. I never expected to experience anything like this. This is just, it wasn't on my radar, you know, four months ago at all. Even when it was starting to build up, I was saying, well, I think we're pretty safe. We see a lot of medical care that these patients need to be seen. And um, I think that's been a big surprise for everyone. So, um, so I'm furloughed, which means I'm not employed by Associated Eye Care. I did take a little bit of PTO, which was allowed um, in my first couple weeks, and then now I've had to apply for unemployment. So I'm learning that's quite an interesting process as well. Um, tomorrow I get to check in and see if I'll, they have everything they need and if I'll get paid for the previous week. Jennifer Lively, what about you? So I am laid off and, and kind of one of the big differences laid off versus furloughed is with furlough, you do maintain all your benefits, health care policies, things of that nature. When you're laid off, all your benefits are gone, um, but you had the benefit of getting paid out your PTO. So when, you're, when we were thinking that this was going to be a short term, a couple of weeks, which in that March timeframe kind of looked like that, right? Paying out everybody two weeks of PTO seemed like the best way for employees to maintain those, those couple of weeks off, right? So I think a lot of doctors early on were feeling like, well, maybe laying off was better than furloughing, but obviously the situation's been fluid. Yeah, definitely. Things are changing constantly with this. Uh, when it comes down to this virus, as we always keep hearing, you know, the virus makes the timeline. We can't really expect it. And, you know, certainly, just like Jake said, you know, there was no way for us to expect any of this, to foresee any of this months ago. So, you know, this is definitely coming to a big surprise to a lot of us. Uh, Leslie, what about you? Um, so the email did go around that um, I think they used the word furlough. Um, when I was told that they were final, you know, closing to everything but urgent care, we have um, three locations and eight optometrists and six employee doctors, two owners, six employees. And so um, we didn't really have any group meetings or anything. Like I still haven't spoken to the other doctors in my practice actually since this happened, which I kind of think is a little bit interesting. I've talked to one of the owners um, and the doctor that I spent most time, most of my time with, you know, that we share an office space, but um, I haven't really been able to speak to the group. Um, but anyway, so the, the word was actually furloughed. <laughs> 
That's interesting that you're talking about communicating with the practice as well. Have any of you otherwise been in communication with the practice? Have they given you updates on what they're doing? Have they talked to you about things like they might be trying to take measures such as applying for the PPP and EIDL loans, which we just did a show on? Um, what about you, Jake or Jennifer? Yeah, we, um, we're in touch. We're getting kind of weekly updates and um, communications about how are you guys doing and what's going on. I mean, these are my colleagues and, and I consider them my friends. So we've had more um, friend talks than um, business talks, um, some texting and, and this sort of stuff. But um, there's some company-wide communications as well. Um, I've been keeping in touch with my resident um, as well, just making sure everything's going uh, well with her because she's seeing just as many patients, if not more than she was before this hit the wall. Um, so she's keeping busy. Um, but we're down to, you know, one doc, one to three doctors per day and, and kind of just doing everything that they can to keep it. But uh, they've been really good about keeping communication open and, and uh, keeping the collegiality, um, which has helped with some of my sanity. <laughs> I can certainly imagine. Uh, Jennifer, has your practice uh, been in communication? Have they, do you know if they've applied for things like the uh, payment, uh, the payroll protection or the EIDL loans or what's going to happen there? And uh, even do you know if they plan to rehire after? Yeah, so uh, Alicia Barnes, who is practice, is a really close friend of mine. Um, and we are in communication pretty much every single day. Um, so even though I'm technically not an employee, like I'm still doing a lot of our office social media and doing a lot of things unpaid, but that's the relationship that we have. And she fully expects to bring myself and all the staff back on as soon as we're able to. And I know there's been a lot of discussion I've seen on, on other forums, like, Hey, I'm technically laid off. Like my office is sending me these webinars and things to do. Like, should I be doing work without pay? And it is very personal, I think, in that decision. Um, and you know the relationship you have with your office and it, your, how your time's being sent. So I think there's no right or wrong answer on that front. Um, but I, it's a question a lot of docs are asking themselves right now. As far as what she's doing, as far as the filing for loans, she's been right on top of it. She's already found out with her bank that she would be eligible. They're going to do the PPP. Loan. She's filed the EIDL $10,000 loan. So she is trying to be on the front line, one of the first few small businesses in the area to get access to these to become available. And whatever I can do to help her from my house, I'm trying. <laughs> Those are good points. And I think you bring up a really great um, discussion about you know, what are the expectations if you're technically not employed? And of course, you know, maybe with CE with just maintaining a license, there's different requirements and it is very personal, you know, and it kind of depends on each, each practice's relationship with the doctor for sure. Um, I do want to take this time to kind of, again, give a big shout out to our sponsors. So thank you to Allergan, Johnson & Johnson, Aerie, Novartis, um, Santin, Cala Pharmaceuticals, Avalino Labs, Diametrics. Um, you guys have all been very helpful in making today's um, episode possible and you know, allowing us to have these discussions. For those of you that are listening, feel free to use the Q&A box to um, you know, write in your questions. We want to make sure that if you're going through the same thing, that you can use these three leaders as a resource um, you know, as we're all navigating this very kind of complicated time. When, when each of you 
you know, learned about your unemployment status. And of course, it's, you know, the timeline has definitely kind of um, been skewed a little bit. Did any of you um, do a, like, consult with an attorney or a financial advisor to kind of discuss your options at all? I personally didn't discuss with a financial advisor, but Alicia, who owns the practice, of course, did in making her decisions. We did consult, I got on the phone with uh, Jackie Garlic, who writes the 2020 Glance, and she had been through all of this a few weeks ahead of probably most of the country because Boston got hit early on. She owns a practice in downtown Boston, so she ended up furloughing employees a a week or two before we were having these decisions. Um, So uh, she kind of talked us through the process on deciding even, like, should we furlough, should we lay off, and I want to thank her for that. I think a lot of us have been relying on other doctors in this situation. Yeah, yeah. certainly. You know, this is definitely, there's so much personal stuff that goes on here with these, uh, with these uh, situations. As you said, you know, Jennifer, you're working in a practice and you guys are basically like family. I mean, there's so many of our practices. We're all like family. I mean, what do we do during this time? You know, it can be really difficult to say, hey, yeah, I understand I'm not getting paid, but, uh, you know, I really don't want to do that telephone consult right now. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot to consider here. I appreciate all of your input. Um, Are you seeking any additional source of income? Are you looking at any side jobs, optometric or maybe even non-optometric, Leslie or Jake? So this is one thing that I am very fortunate for is that I was – I kind of was spread a little bit thin, I think, before this happened with speaking and consulting work, but, um, and, you know, even working with modern optometry, I'm so grateful that I was, you know, resourceful in using optometry for more than just patient care, because that's what's really carrying me now, um, is consulting work that I've been able to do with industry leaders. So I'm so thankful for, you know, the ones you mentioned, and then, you know, other ones as well. I've actually had some time to, um, really devote to projects that I was kind of, you know, pushing off to the late night hours to try to get done after patient care. So I feel like I've been, um, you know, definitely better for that, for that reason. Um, and then interestingly enough, in Modern Optometry actually just featured this in their last article or their last publication is um, I'm working with Amy Sullivan um, to help launch a cosmetic company um, called um, Essary Labs and Eyes Are the Story. And um, it's a really great opportunity actually for optometry to um, really make a little bit of money at home. And so I've had more time to devote to that project. So more to come on that front. Yeah, I would, I would reiterate uh, Leslie's. I've been trying to do more writing and um, I'm actually supposed to be on a plane right now to Chicago to give a talk. But um, as you can see that, that, that got canceled along with another lecture we had in the Twin Cities a couple of weeks before that. And um, we all know the AOA meeting is going to be canceled as well. So um, working on some lectures and things like this, trying to do some writing and, and some prepare for. Yeah, and you know what, Jake, that is exactly um, what, a, you know, what a, I'm glad you said that because this is such a great opportunity for anybody that, you know, has ever even wanted to share what they do during patient care. Um, years ago, I was, you know, asking like, how do I get to be, you know, one of the speakers at one of these meetings like you're talking about with, twin, you know, the Twin Cities um, and Art Epstein said, you just have to write, like you just need to start writing, Leslie. And so I started doing that. And so I would, you know, say, take advantage of the time you have. Um, 
I know Modern Optometry, we're always looking for new content and new authors. So it's a great way to use your time um, if you have an interest um, and, and just, you know, any insights into even just patient care. Yeah, and fellowship of the academy. I, when all this hit the fan, I emailed all my former residents, texted all my former residents, and was like, okay, I'm expecting your cases to be submitted for fellowship by, uh, by June. Uh, now's the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I'm in a little bit of a different situation in that, like, I feel like actually um, so many people I see hustling so hard right now. And I've had a lot of emotional stress over my lack of production, but I have an 11 month old and daycare is closed. Um, my husband's working full time still. So really all I'm accomplishing during the day is just, you know, making sure my, my baby's having a great experience and a good life, right? And I think there has been a lot of people feeling that pressure of like, well, I haven't accomplished anything. Like I see all my peers doing these great things and I am really busy because of taking care of a family member and these other obligations. So I also want to say like, hey, if you guys don't have time to do all that stuff, that's okay. You're doing what's important right now for you and your life. And there's times in your life that you can hustle really hard and there's other times where you just have to, to do what's right in front of you. Um, and um, we're all in, in different situations during this stressful time in our lives. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you, Jennifer, more. I think that's a great point. And I think what you're doing is much more important than me writing about glaucoma. So um, <laughs> kudos to you and, and for that little baby. And um, to all of us that are doing um, at-home teaching as well, I'm, I'm learning um, about common core math and that, um, <laughs> you know, uh, cross-cylinder equations were much easier than uh, common core math. So um, it, it's definitely an interesting time and that's just spot on. So yeah, do what you can do. That's such an important thing with these times upon us. That's true. We do have a question uh, from Marina. Hello, how are you? Um, her question is, how long did it take the Department of Labor to send out a letter regarding retrieving the UI with the PIN to log in? And maybe that might be a little bit state specific, but if you've filed for unemployment, do you have any um, helpful advice with that? So in Minnesota, it was um, pretty quick turnaround. I had to send in application stuff that probably took half an hour online. You could only do it on certain days, depending on your social security number because they're overwhelmed as we can all expect. Um, and then you get, I get confirmation and I can't do anything for a week. And then a week later, you can apply for payment essentially saying, hey, I didn't work. Um, I didn't work this last week. I need to be paid for it through unemployment. Um, at least that's my understanding of the process. I'm just starting to go through that right now. Like tomorrow, I have to go in and see what I can do and, and see what happens because I pushed it out a little bit more with PTO. But um, some of my other colleagues, optometrists, that's the story I've been getting from them. That's fantastic. Uh, we have a, another guest question from uh, Jennifer Chin. Uh, would, who would you reach out to if you wanted to start writing or how would you go about contacting industry publications? Eyebrows, eyebrows, we might have an expert in the, uh, in the audience. <laughs> well, so, I mean, with modern optometry, um, I think that there, I should know the email, but we do have an email. We can, we can link it somewhere. Right. Um, so really you just kind of give the ideas that you may have. Um, for me, when I started doing the writing, I, it was really around dry eye disease. You know, this goes back, you know, 
six or so years. Um, and whatever I was doing in patient care, whether it was like post-surgery dry eye or just, you know, having the conversation around dry eye, um, I, I would just reach out to the publications. Most everyone in their, um, like the editorial section will have a contact that you can find to get in touch with um, an editor at, at the publication. But um, you can also personally email me too. But <laughs> I think with Modern Optometry, we set up a separate email. The person to contact for modern optometry would be Karen Roman. Her email address is K-R-O-M-A-N, K-Roman, at bmctoday.com. I Karen. Yeah, <laughs> have written for them, and they're an excellent publication to work with, so I can't recommend them enough. Hey, Jen, I have some advice, too, on that. Before I had the baby, I, I was doing a ton of writing, and um, what I found was for many publications, if you reach out and say like, I'm interested in writing the story, you don't really get necessarily all that far. Maybe modern photography being a session here, right? But if you write the article and then submit it to the editor, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, we'd love to publish this. So just go ahead and write what you want to write and then submit it around. But once you submit it to someone, you can't really submit that article to anyone else. So you kind of have to know your target for who you want this article to go to. I'm feeling so inspired by you guys all. Like, like I want to start writing something, like put something on paper and like send it in somewhere. Uh, I have another viewer <laughs> question. Uh, what are you guys doing as far as state unemployment? Are you still employed or uh, and seeing only emergency or urgent patients? Or AKA is, do any of you have work reduced? I think we kind of went over that for most of you guys, but uh, is anybody still working now? Uh, seeing patients in any capacity? I, I don't think so, right? Unless you count the college roommate um, sister that I just did telehealth with today. <laughs> um, but just kidding. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, for me, I haven't seen a patient since March 20th, which has uh, been a long time since I could say that. So when you guys go back to your practices, do you think you'll go back to the same place? Are you going to change anything different with your practice style? Um, you know, whenever that timeline happens, what are your course, your goals and thoughts could probably change tomorrow since COVID is changing quickly. Um, how do you think things are going to transpire? I expect when I, we get all get they all clear to go back to what I've been doing and see my team and my clinical assistant and my techs and um, get the family back together, you know, get the band back together. Again, um, I expect when we get the all clear for that, that's what's going to happen. I think there's a lot of things that are going to change because of COVID. Um, I was trying to figure out, you know, what's going to be the new handshake. Uh, Jeslyn, we talked a little bit about that. And um, so I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be different. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to get back with my team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how social norms have definitely um, will have been impacted potentially. So before we kind of wrap up, if you had to share, you know, something positive that you've learned through COVID um, or a positive experience that you've had, what would that be? Jennifer, what would your positive experience through COVID be? I mean, um, I honestly have been having a great time spending. There was a, an adjustment period and like moments of craziness every single day. Don't get me wrong. Like I've typically by lunchtime, I've cried at least once, mm -hmm. but 
mean, my, my kid walked yesterday, like took her first few independent steps. And these are moments that as a, a working doc, I most certainly could have missed and might have happened at daycare. So I feel like, yeah, this is a, a special time for me to be spending with my daughter. At the same time, it's incredibly hard, much harder for me to be a full-time mom than to be a working mom optometrist. So um, shout out to everyone who's feeling that struggle right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just important to focus on family. Like, you know, what a perfect time for you, Jen, to, you know, to have that. And those were really tough years for me working. And um, uh, I think that even though it is a struggle, you know, it's definitely some precious time there that you have with your daughter. And I think we just have to realize that we aren't in control. And, um, you know, there's not too many times in life that you can really just pause um, and, have a little bit of perspective on what's going on around you professionally and personally. And um, we have definitely been enjoying uh, more family time with, you know, our immediate unit. I actually had to cook Easter dinner where normally I'm at my mom's or my mother-in-law's. And so yesterday I was thinking like, well, this is a first, but it was really nice just to have our family unit, um, you know, have time together and we're not rushing from sport to sport or, you know, things like that. So I think just pause, you know, it, we're all going to get back to some level of normalcy and routine soon. Um, but just try to enjoy as much as you can, just, just the peace, <laughs> if you can stay healthy. So hopefully you're all doing that as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. I think the big positive here is, is perspective, right? Um, you know, perspective on uh, do I need to, you know, um, work 12 hours and then try and squeeze in you know, 30 minutes with my family or kids or, um, you know, do, do I need to be in getting kids to 16 different sports and things like that? I don't know if, you know, everyone's going to have their own answers to those questions, um, but it has put a pause on life and our nation um, to give us all perspective to decide what's important to us. And I, I think that's the most important thing. I love how you say that as well. It's giving us all perspective. It's making us all stop. And in New York, the actual name of what we're doing is called the pause. We're doing the big pause right now. And that's literally what it is. And what a, what a, great, uh, what a great time to sit down, to stop, and to get some perspective. As I often say to people, nobody looks back and says, man, I wish I had worked 10 hours more every, every week. Nobody says, if I could go back and do something, I wish I could have worked more. People look back and they say, I wish I'd had that time to spend with my family. I wish I had that time to spend with my 11-month-old to catch them walking for the first time. And this, is, this is some seriously valuable stuff. And, and, um, and as we always say, and we'll say probably several times uh, every episode, this is an unprecedented time that we have to be able to see things, do things, and accomplish things that we've never done before or even been able to do before. I want to thank each of you for providing us your experiences, for sharing with us your, uh, your lives and what's going on right now, and your stories have all been wonderfully inspiring. Uh, I hope soon that our offices do open because while work isn't the most important thing in life, it's still a really important part of life. I agree. Thank you to the three of you for sharing your experiences with us today. Again, thank you for the sponsors. Thank you, Frank, for co-hosting another fun episode. Um, we will be back again on Wednesday with a new episode.
talking about the transition from the other side with colleagues who are still employed, but have really had to kind of change their workflow and maybe are going from working full time to seeing only kind of urgent and emergent cases. So look for the announcement timing so that you can join us live on Modern Optometry's Facebook page. And until then, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon. Bryn Mawr Communications, industry members, and eye care professionals are coming together to create a forum that connects the vision community in these unprecedented times. This program has been made possible in part with support from our premier sponsors, Allergan, Johnson Johnson Vision, Aerie, Novartis, and Santen. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors for their support of this programming. This webcast podcast is intended solely for ophthalmic healthcare professionals and ophthalmic industry representatives. By accessing this webcast podcast, I acknowledge that Bryn Mawr Communications LLC, here in BMC, along with any all third-party corporate supporters of this webcast podcast, makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information presented in this webcast podcast. BMC, along with any all third-party corporate supporters of this webcast podcast, do not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any of the opinions or information presented or mentioned. BMC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to reliance on in this webcast podcast.